Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. We have two awesome guests today. So our first played indoor at SFU and then went on to the NCAA and played at UAB. Our other guest is the winner of this year's FISU trials and is now a CCAA national champion. So please welcome to the show, Jamie and Marcus Bratsburg. Thanks for doing this, guys. Thanks for having us, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so let's let's start with the obvious thing. We got two high-level volleyball players. So was there like battles in the backyard, or how did this all start? Who got who into volleyball? Who kind of set the table for the family to make it a, a volleyball household? Yeah, so I think growing up when we were younger, I was involved in a lot of sports. Um, my sister started volleyball pretty much as her, her main sport when she was about 12, 13. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's about right. Um, and... Being involved in a lot of other sports, I really liked having that exposure to going to her practices, going to her games, and just kind of getting exposed to high-level volleyball at a young age. And uh, yeah, so when she came home one day, she decided that she wanted to kind of pursue volleyball as her main sport, and she asked me to pepper in the backyard with her. And uh, that was kind of my first exposure to really getting touches on a volleyball. Really had no idea what I was doing. Um, Being an athlete, I kind of cut on pretty quick. Um, she taught me some things and I kind of just built off of her knowledge. Nice. Yeah, we used to go on vacations all the time and we would be peppering and I remember getting so frustrated with him for not being able to hit the ball like right where I wanted him to hit it. <laughs> and he was like four years younger than me and not physically developed at all. But now he's way better than me. So <laughs> obviously I did something. Nice. So Jamie, did you have a coach who kind of got you into it? Was it through school or was it club or a house league? Like what made you want to pick this as your main sport? Um, I kind of had started playing in elementary school, just like casually. And then when I was, I think I was in grade nine, I had a coach, Trina uh, Hewlett, and she um, ran one spring break practice. I remember where it was just all defense and diving and I came home and I was so obsessed with it that I just wanted to go in the backyard and dive all the time. So that's kind of where my obsession started. (laughs) Nice. And for you, Marcus, like, obviously she's kind of making it the family game and you're going to have to play when she plays, but what made you either ask your parents to sign you up for club or did you have a school teacher who kind of got you into it or what made you choose this over some other sports that you were playing? Well, so Jamie was actually my first coach in, uh, back in elementary school. And, um, yeah, she was, she was hard on me. It, uh, it kind of killed my passion at first a little bit, not going <laughs> to lie. But then I realized pretty quickly coming out of elementary school, going into high school that, Volleyball was what I wanted to do, and I really thank her for being hard on me and really teaching me these things at a young age. Um, so that was kind of what kickstarted me, um, aside from playing in the backyard and stuff. And just to kind of build off of her obsession at a young age, um, I think one winter we were um, we were snowed in, school was canceled, and Jamie wanted to play volleyball so badly that we went into the backyard and set up some strobe lights. And we were fully snowsuited up, and we and she really wanted to play volleyball. So we went outside, and we were playing in the middle of this huge blizzard. Our dad, who's also very supportive and very involved, came out and hit balls at us, and it was just such a fun time and a cool experience. And it just kind of comes to show you her obsession and what we kind of did to get touches on the ball whenever possible. Awesome, awesome. So let us in on, on the BC volleyball scene. Um, me being based in Ontario, like I've heard of BCO and, and a few players who have come from there, so... Just tell us about your club experience, because I think uh, Megan and Nicole McNamara played there, and I think a few other players have come through the BCO program where they've been very competitive for a long time, it feels like. Yeah, so I think both of us sort of played BCO coming through the club season. Marcus sort of straight away asked once it got to a higher level, but 
Uh, I've played BCO for all my years, and I actually don't think I've played with Nicole. I think she's one year younger than me, um, so she wasn't, I think she was at Ducks when I was at BCO. But um, yeah, I came through BCO. I was kind of a B team kid all the way up until grade 12, and then when I finally made the A team, I like blew out my back and didn't play it all that year. So Wow. <laughs> but yeah, BCO is a great club. Both of us are coaching for it now. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and I think when when I came into the club scene around age thirteen, BCO didn't actually have a boys program. So my mom really went to bat for us and went to the board of directors for BCO and put together this big spiel about how there should be a boys program because we had enough interest on the North Shore. A lot of my friends um, were really interested in volleyball as well. So she put together this spiel, managed to get you know, kind of like an entry-level team going at that 13U. And me and a bunch of my friends joined. We had a great time. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that we were successful. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was a really good way to kind of kickstart volleyball in the North Shore, which eventually led to um, Argyle Secondary having their first senior team ever. Nice, nice. So what was the size of your high school, or were the boys just playing other sports during the same season that there wasn't enough interest? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think boys volleyball has ever been big on the North Shore. So when we kind of started it, it kickstarted a little bit of interest in other schools as well. So I think in grade 10, we had our first league on the North Shore involving maybe four other schools. And um, it it was a big hit. We There was a lot of interest just in some other local schools and uh, pretty much eventually spread for all of our schools joining the Vancouver League, which is like a bigger league that uh, has some bigger schools like Mosscrop, uh, LCS, those types of schools, and uh, really just kind of blew up from there. Nice. So, Jamie, obviously you had a love and passion for volleyball. With your injury, what was your uh, recruiting process like? Like, How did you end up at SFU if they didn't really get a chance to see you um, playing club that year? Um, honestly, if you ask my SFU coach, so Gina Schmidt coaches at SFU, she, I think she saw me play once. She saw me pass 10 free balls or something like that. And then my high school club coach, Dan, he just told her that I was good and she took me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all. That's pretty much it. I went on a visit to SFU and I didn't say much. I'm, I was really, really quiet at first when I went there. Um, and yeah, but Gina just offered me the spot. It was great. I registered my first year because I ended up hurting my back again. And I'm pretty sure I had a walker for most of that first year. So that was not a highlight. But after that, I sort of, yeah, they sort of say that I came out of my shell. Like my first year, I didn't speak at all. My second year, Gina would say that my lips were moving, but no words were coming out. And then in my third year, I sort of started saying words. So that's good. It was great. As if he was an amazing school. Nice. What can you tell us about that? Because we don't hear about it too much with us being mostly based in Ontario, but also covering U sports where we haven't talked about it mostly because you guys compete with the U.S. So kind of fill us in and just give us a quick elevator pitch about like what your season was like, uh, what the squad was like, your coaches, just kind of paint us a picture of the whole thing. Yeah. So SFU plays in the NCAA. They play in Division Two, so not the top one, but the second one. It's a huge, there's so many teams and it's all really competitive. So all the games you play, there's not really any giveaway games or anything like that. Every single game is a fight. Uh, the season's really short and compact, sort of. So preseason starts in August. You have sort of a traditional training camp where you have two practices a day every day for two weeks. 
Um, and then you go into preseason competition and season's normally over in around the beginning of December. Uh, so it's really short season. You compete every weekend. There's no bye weekends. Um, and we traveled all throughout sort of the northwest part of the state. So we went to Idaho and Alaska, Montana, Oregon, and in Washington, obviously. Uh, the game is sort of similar. I would say overall the size of the players is a little smaller and the defense is quite like a large part of the game. Like in our team, it was always sort of a culture that not like we just really didn't want the ball to hit the ground. Like that was the biggest part of our game, I would say. And was that really appealing to you to play against U.S. schools or were you also considering uh, either staying in the CCAA or in U Sports? Um, I never really considered going to the CCAA. I did consider going to U Sports, but I think I just, I like the academics that SFU brought to the table. I really love Gina. Um, and I know some of my teammates that were at SFU, Allison McKay and Devin May. I had played with them before and I knew I really loved them. So I just wanted to go there. Awesome. And in doing some research for the show, Marcus, I, there was one article that said that Dave Dooley actually coached you when you were younger. So did that help your recruiting process when you chose uh, your post-secondary path? Yeah, so funny story behind that one. He coached me in U17 and U18 club for Seaside Volleyball Club. And uh, yeah, my we, we had talked all year about what I was going to do next year being post-secondary. And uh, he was a big part in my decision-making process. So he would always, we would write down pros and cons of different schools. Really, we, we filtered it down to either UBC or Capilano because I really wanted to stay local. And uh, one day at practice, what, well, first of all, one of the goals we had talked about academically for me that year was I really wanted to get into reading books more. And uh, so one day he came to practice, and here, I actually got the book right here. Just give me a sec. He, uh, he brought me this book called 127 Hours. Not sure if you've heard about it before. And uh, pretty much gave it to me, and I opened it up. And right in the, uh, in the beginning, to quote him, it says, Marcus, well, looks like you're stuck with me for at least another year. Don't worry. You won't need to cut off an arm to get away. Love you, man. Looking forward to our next adventure together. And that was the day that he told me that he was going to be coaching Cap the next year. And that was that was the deal breaker for me. I committed the next day. Awesome, awesome. So fill us in. How is the university able to play in the CCAA? So usually, when Ontario schools do that, they're just a little bit smaller in population. So what is the size of Capilano? And did you kind of get attracted to a smaller school when you chose like what you wanted to study and the volleyball side of it? Yeah. So coming out of high school, I wasn't the most academic. Um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to make the jump to a big school like UBC yet. So Capilano was really attractive to me in that way. And I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue beach or if I wanted to keep playing indoor. So I, uh, I went to one practice with Cap and one practice with UBC. And I really liked the, uh, the atmosphere at Cap. I gelled with the guys right away. And I knew that it was going to be a really good kind of first step to, to kind of meshing into the, the varsity leagues, if you will. And um, I thought it was a really great transition year being last year to kind of get used to post-secondary life and what varsity volleyball was like. Nice, nice. So, Jamie, you kind of hinted it that you were kind of shy going into school. So with you being a smaller school, Marcus, did that kind of help or knowing some guys that were already on the squad? Or how do you feel like you've both progressed with Marcus, you still being in school? But, Jamie, did you eventually become a vocal leader with your squad? 
I wouldn't go so far as to say I was a vocal leader, but I, like, words came out of my mouth. <laughs> so it was, like, a big progress. Like, I think one of my, so my assistant coach at SFU, Rob Gao, he, I, he coached me in high school from grade 10, I think. And he, so he saw really the long-term progress. And he used to say that when I was in grade 10, I didn't say a single word through all of academy. Um, and the biggest thing for him was one morning before academy, I came up and like knocked on his car window or something like that and smiled at him. And he was like, wow, that is the most interaction I've ever had with Jamie. <laughs> and so now I'm doing this podcast. So I don't know. I think I've, I think I've come a long way. Absolutely. I can back that. <laughs> I do have to ask though, as a libero, like that's usually a pretty demanding position to be vocal just because most coaches think that like outside hitters they're jumping they're blocking they're doing more impact stuff that maybe your energy should be higher so you should be kind of being the defensive coordinator you should be vocal you should be steering people in the right direction so did you have a different personality on court or were you also quiet when you were playing uh so like i should mention that i didn't start at sfu as a libero until my third year when i started talking so i would say it's highly correlated but also in my first two years we had this amazing libero who taught me so much allison um, and she, she was super, like, she was very vocal, very high energy on the court. And so I think I sort of saw and learned from her how she was and realized that if I ever wanted to be in that position, that I would need to be a little more like that. And when you play beach, do you talk to your partner or also mute? No, I do speak. I speak a lot on the beach. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So Marcus, friends of the show, uh, we're aware that college happened, so they made the choice, and we don't need to get into a big long spiel about you sports canceled and you guys decided to go, but uh, just a quick question. Was there a meeting? Did coaches get a say, or did everybody kind of decide that, you know, logically, everyone had already traveled there, there's probably been a banquet, you've all been interacting, like, when was the decision to go ahead, and kind of what was the process as a player? Were you just kind of told that's the way it's going to be, or did they kind of give you guys a chance to speak up? Um, I would say... The day after we got there, we had had one practice. We hadn't even played a game yet. And there was a meeting to sort of kind of talk about whether or not there would be fans because nothing had really exploded yet. Um, so we, we had our banquet. Um, we had a practice. And then the next day we played Durham College in the morning or sorry, in the evening. And right after that game, our athletic director was there and was called to a big meeting with the board of CCAA. And that was kind of when they made the decision that this tournament was still going to go along because we had so many people travel from across Canada and we had parents travel from Australia, from Vancouver, like really like it's not a close, it's not a, it's a long trip. And uh, yeah, so they kind of decided we were going to go ahead with the tournament, take all precautions necessary, but just kind of exclude the fans, which was kind of sucked, but you know, it is what it is. You know, when you go to, uh, when you go to when you qualify for a tournament like nationals, you look forward to a lot of things, and I think one of those things is really being in the moment and really trying to take in the atmosphere. So when something like fans is taken away, it kind of creates a new challenge to really create your own atmosphere on the court. Nice, and one thing I always find exciting about college nationals, being a, a former college coach, is it, it feels like U Sports they travel and they'll do preseason tournaments. Like usually, who's ever hosting nationals will do some preseason stuff. Where sometimes college is a bit of an unknown, where you've never seen the other team face to face. So, had you guys either seen Red Deer or Durham or Humber, or were you relying on a lot of video, or how did you guys prepare for some of these matches that were obviously very meaningful? That uh, with the college format, I mean, you start in the quarterfinals, right? So, how did you guys manage the prep work if you've never been across the net from a lot of these teams? 
So we we focused on our quarterfinal first, which was Durham, which was Ontario 2. Um, we just we only had video to go off of, really. The only videos they gave us were provincial semifinals and finals for each team. So Durham was just, we didn't really want to look ahead to Red Deer. We had watched video on Durham and Humber, the, the finals of the OCAA. And we just kind of went with that, made a game plan for Durham and focused on one game at a time, really. Nice, nice. So when you got through that one, what was the attention to Red Deer? Because obviously with college, there's a little bit of turnover and maybe they don't have the same roster. But as far as the CCAA goes, that's been as competitive as a program as I think there's ever been. They've been so steady and, and almost medalist every year, it feels like. Yeah. So if I'm being honest, the one team we didn't want to face before the finals was Red Deer. I think if you kind of mirror our team, they were, they were the closest team to pretty much matching all of our strengths. So they had a very physical setter, very physical outside, being Patrick Toes. Um, they had a really physical right side, lefty, and uh, unbelievably scrappy team on defense, which was pretty much exactly the strengths of our team. So we really had to create a really solid game plan. Huge shout out to the coaches for that. The amount of work that goes into making a solid game plan against a team that's exactly like yours is is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, we just had to go out there and execute, and we did a pretty good job of it. Nice. And finally, the, the final. How did it feel going into that one? And uh, after the event, I read a quote from a good friend, uh, the Humber coach, Wayne, and he mentioned that you guys kind of did what, what they did. So another matchup of a similar team where you almost bullied them from the service line and took over with just aggressive play, right? So was that something you guys were doing all year? Or did you just turn it on for the finals? You know what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Um, we really picked it up from the service line. Um, but I think what really helped us win that game was our reception. Um, service line, obviously, we got a bunch of aces. I think that being a physical team such as Humber, they really sacrificed some of that ball control to be physical. And uh, us being really scrappy, we matched up really well with them. It kind of it seems like the style of ball between teams from the West and the East Coast is completely different. Like Ontario obviously sacrifices ball control to be physical, whereas like teams from Alberta and BC carry a lot of pace in their game. And I think it was a it was a really good matchup. We went out there once again. Our coaches made an unbelievable game plan just overnight, like unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I think defensive teams match up with any team that carries that kind of physicality. So we we received well. We played a ton of defense, and I think we just outplayed them. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. So can you give us any behind the scenes? So you mentioned you didn't want to play Red Deer or anything like that. So what was the mood as you progressed through the tournament? Like, did you guys arrive at the venue saying, like, we're going to win nationals? Or are you a team that wants to take it one game at a time? Like, what was kind of the message from not only the coaching staff, but more importantly, like the leaders on the team and the players? Did you guys set a high expectation or were you more process driven? Yeah, so one thing we've kind of stood for all year is when we win, winning stands for what is next on our team. So we, we focused on the quarterfinals, and then we won that, and it was like, okay, what is next? So then we focused on our game plan for Red Deer. Um, and actually, yeah, so when we played Humber, one of our one of our guys, one of our top guys, Rafael Hilario, actually played for Humber last year. And he transferred and came to, to CAP because of schooling. And so our entire game plan, he, he knew all of their weaknesses, all of their strengths. And I've never seen a player so driven to win a game in my life than when you play against your old team and you know he was just unbelievable the entire tournament i think there was a point it was 12 12 in the fifth set against red deer and we were siding out and we were we were nervous like obviously 
And he's been there before. He's got a couple national championships under his belt. He said to our setter, Simon, he was just like, don't overthink it. Just give me the the bleeping ball. (laughs) And we were, I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, all I got to do here is if they serve me, pass a nice high two, Simon will give him a high ball and he'll put it away. And we, we ended up passing a three, got him a, they still triple blocked him and he let out this huge war cry bounced the ball cross court around a triple block and we weren't even celebrating we were just laughing it was like oh, that's it this game's over he's just going to take over now and then he got another kill to make it 14 13 and then a block to win the game so he's he was unbelievable big part of our game plan against humber as well and he kind of drove our team to kind of bring that calm presence to the court and he was he was awesome amazing amazing yeah thanks for that story so jamie sorry to freeze you out there i just had to get as much ccaa in as i could just to understand what went into that event but uh, I, d- I was curious you transferred to a beach athlete so what went into that decision obviously there there's a bc connection at uab that i'm sure helped the recruiting but did you know uh that you wanted to try ncaa beach or, or was it what kind of started the ball rolling in this conversation for you um, so the year before me, my teammate who I played with for a long time, Devin May, had gone down to maybe to play for Kira, the coach down there, Kira Iannone. And she just said she had a great time and loved it so much. And then I felt like my senior season at SFU had sort of finished with an injury. I blew my hamstring and I just didn't really feel ready to be done, per se. It was a pretty last minute thing and I just decided to go down there and see what it would sort of be like at a Division One school and playing a different sport. And it was really cool. It was way different than anything I experienced at SFU, so it was really good. And how did you manage the schedule there? Because we've had a few beach players on and explained, like, the dual system and stuff like that. But when you arrived, did you know your partner? Were you matched with somebody else? Like, how do you decide who's playing left and right side? Like, all the little things. Like, where were you ranked in the scale of, like, ones, twos, threes, fours, all that stuff? So... How did that come together as you transferring in as like a senior, but a rookie at the same time? Yeah. um, So there's actually another grad transfer that came at the same time as me, sort of in the same position. She came from a division one school. So she was my partner for the first half of the season or so we played at the ones. And then after that, the team had a bunch of injuries um, all over the map. Like she was injured and other people were injured. And I played all the way through the twos and the threes with actually a girl from from Vancouver Island, Annie Pringle. Um, and then I played a little bit with a couple other partners, like with really just mixing and matching. You can, There's no set lineup, per se. You can mix it up for any sort of duel, really. Nice. And what advice would you give to a Canadian who wants to pursue NCAA Beach? Because it feels like every year, not only is the, the program growing and more schools are offering it, but it seems like more Canadians are, are going down and playing. So what would, advice would you give as somebody who kind of lived through it? My biggest thing, I would totally say go down and play beach if you love beach. It's so much fun, and it's just such a good atmosphere to be in. Um, I love the training schedule down there. It's super intense. Um, Love the girls, love the team environment, which is kind of, I wasn't sure how the team would really function because you're sort of a team with your partner, and then you're also having this interesting relationship with the rest of your team, right? Because you need them to win if you want to win sort of as a program. Um, but yeah, the team environment's great. It's just the same, same. You love your teammates, just like indoor people love their teammates. But I would really say make sure that the school that you're going to supports you academically, because Division One is a different uh, vibe, definitely than the schools in Canada. Like they do expect you 
the, the emphasis is a little bit more on athletics sometimes than academics. So just make sure that wherever you go, you're going to be supported academically. Nice. Thank you for that. And Marcus, you hinted that you did want to maybe pursue beach full time or, or, or go the indoor route. So obviously beach wasn't an option for you, but have you been able to continue your training or have you been all in on Capilano for right now and you'll, you'll get back in this summer? Yes. Yeah, so about halfway through the season, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I got involved with the Pacific elite program a little bit. That was pretty much around the time where I found out that I was going to be going to the Fishu trials. Um, so Dave being such a supportive coach. I had a, I had a talk with him, and it's a big thing to ask to kind of leave halfway through the season to go train for about a month and then head over to Toronto for a beach trial. And he gave me the green light. He's all for beach. He thinks it's a great game. So, yeah, I kind of left halfway through the season, trained beach full-time with the Pacific League guys. And then, uh, yeah, that was my only training during the indoor season. And, uh, yeah, pretty much now that indoor's over, I'm going to start training with them again. And... Uh, really focus on training for the actual Fishu tournament now. So yeah, they've got a great program going on right now. It's, it's awesome. There's, there's not a whole lot of structured training going on through the winter. So for them to set that up was just, it's such a luxury to have like a great indoor facility in BC and the ability to play during the winter and warm heated sand is just great. (laughs) (laughs) So how did the partnership come together? Did Borisov give you the call or were you the one kind of wanting to really give Fishu trials a, a shot? Um, so he was originally supposed to play with Justin Faster, uh, another local guy from BC who's kind of tearing up the beach scene a little bit. Um, and they found out probably a, a month before the trial that he, so he's in flight school. He's graduated from Douglas College and uh, his school actually wasn't eligible to compete at Fishu. So, and Borisov really wanted to go. So he was looking for a partner really quickly. And me and him had always talked about playing together. We'd never actually played together before the trial and uh, he gave me the call and wanted to do it and I said yeah let me talk to my coach and then we kind of kick-started it from there and started training and just gave it a shot nice that's one thing we learned when we had Zade on the show is just what you guys are up to so obviously you're at Capilano there's guys in flight school I think Borisov is doing pre-med or med school Zade's yeah. in a lab all day so how have you managed the the time crunch of finding opportunities to train but also dealing with everything else you guys have on the go yeah, so the thing that's awesome about that program is over the winter especially, they were training from 6 to 8 a.m. In, uh, in Richmond, British Columbia. So it's a little bit of a drive from North Vancouver. It's about 45 minutes, maybe an hour in traffic. Um, but the beauty about having it at 6 a.m. is there's, there's no one on the road. So it's probably about a 20-minute drive. Um, and 6 to 8 a.m., there's nothing really going on in that time slot during a student-athlete's day anyways, except for maybe an 8.30 a.m. class. And the training schedule was Tuesday, Thursday mornings, and I didn't have any 8.30 classes. So it was pretty easy to fit that in. Um, I would say probably the first two weeks, there was a little bit of a crash around 11 a.m. where I would fall asleep in class. But, uh, yeah, that was that was the best part about it. Nice. So for both of you growing up on the North Shore, what is the beach scene there? Did you guys have to travel a lot, or was there a lot of programs offered that you could start beach at a pretty young age? Um. We only have one local court in in North Van now. Uh, there used to be about five of them, and that was when BCO kind of made a beach program. And I was always only ever I was only the, the only guy in that program. It was it was kind of frustrating, but uh, you know it was a really good learning experience for me because I hadn't really had any official sort of beach training when I was young. So kind of getting those touches from BCO 
uh, in like a structured program was really good for me at a young age. But Jamie, I'm not sure if you want to touch base on what it was like for, for the girls BCO program, but that was it for me. Yeah. Um, BCO really didn't have very much of a beach program at that time. Um, I think I was just coaching it and with my co-coach, I think it was Connor McCuspie at that time. We, yeah, we ran some for like very young kids, but I never really trained any beach through BCO. I, I trained over town at Spanish banks with Thunder Beach at first. So I remember one summer, like Devin would drive me out every, every other day, pretty much all the way over to Spanish banks. And we would train there for a couple hours, but yeah, really not much on the North shore at all. And we've heard a lot about uh, Kits Beach from just some other guests on the show. So both of you have been a part in either Spanish or Kits just offering tournaments. Or what can you tell us about the, the BC scene that kind of got you both hooked to both, well, well, Jamie, for you to play at the NCAA level and for Marcus for you to represent Canada later this summer, like what kind of sparked it for competition? Or would you guys have to travel quite a bit to, to get the competition you needed? Um, I would say on on the men's side, they've got <clears throat> they've got a pretty unbelievable program going at Kitts Beach. They have these kind of unsanctioned tournaments called Clivers on Saturdays, which I'm sure Zaid has told you all about. Um, pretty much like a, a very unofficial tournament for fun for the players, by the players. There's no profit involved. Um, really just a great way for a lot of very high-level players to get together on a Saturday and play a game. And then they've got this awesome tradition with, at the end, which is uh, the winners have to go out and buy beer for everybody. And it really just kind of shows you a little bit about the camaraderie out here on the West Coast and uh, what the Kids Beach life is about. And um, I think my first my first exposure at Kids Beach, I was probably about 16 years old, was playing with one of my, my beach partners that was my age. And we went out there and we just got killed. Like it was, <laughs> it was actually kind of hilarious. Um, it was scary playing against some of those bigger guys, like grown men who have represented Canada and all that. And, uh, but they weren't really trying to they weren't really trying to shove it in our face or kind of or kind of put us down they were it was more of a learning experience they were giving us tips during the game and it was it was great like and ever since then I've kept competing in the climbers and slowly working the way up the ranks definitely not a never won one or anything but um, I've learned I've learned so much from those guys and even just going down there and playing on the challenge court just so much exposure to the game and they carry such a wealth of knowledge with them it's awesome yeah i was lucky enough to be at a cliver when uh, logan mend who was at york university he won the bid to be our canada games team but we uh trained in bc for a week and a half i think and it was nice to see just the the culture there and everything it's got going where it's it's social it's competitive it's elite it was just such a, a great experience so jamie do they have anything like that for for women right now in bc i know they have their their own version of a kbva there but have you played in any of their competitions yeah, I definitely have. Um, for a long time, it was really like a core group of sort of high-level women, and it was it was really like those sort of maybe 20 players, but now it's gotten way bigger. Um, we're filling up, so there's a Kids Women's Beach Volleyball Association, I guess, and we're sort of running tournaments. Normally, we share the beach with the guys on some Saturdays. We have a few, like, fewer tournaments because it's a newer organization, but yeah, they're all filling up, super popular. Um, the level's going, like, skyrocketing. So many new players are coming in and really pushing everyone, so it's great. Just to kind of wrap it up here, you guys are coaching a team together, so has that kind of tested each other's patience as being siblings, or do you guys get along well when you're working with other athletes? <laughs> um, well, this was our first year coaching together. Um, 
honestly not too sure if we're going to finish the season off or not, just given the, the, the circumstances. But for the time that we've been able to do it, I think we, we've been getting along really well. Since, since I've still been playing indoor, I haven't been able to be there as much as I would like to. Um, so Jamie's been given the lead role of talking to the parents, dealing with parents and kind of uh, really just getting to know the girls a lot. It, it's a 13U club team, um, so it's not the highest level. But it's a really good, it's a really good learning experience for us as coaches to kind of, to kind of learn a lot from the girls as well as being a coach. If that makes sense. Yeah, the girls are so great. Um, I think coaching together, we sort of bring different things to the table. So Marcus is really relaxed, like he's sort of a fun coach, and I can be like that, but I also sort of bring a little bit more. I don't know how to say this, but like kick ass. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, something like that. Like, I I want the girls to learn sort of how to behave in a gym and a little bit sort of expectations and stuff like that. Um, but I think the girls overall had such a good time this season. We had lots of guest coaches come in and stuff like that, and it was it's such a good program. They're, they're amazing. Yeah, I think coaching at 13U takes a lot of patience that some coaches don't have the skills for, me, me included, where I think it, it's very rewarding because they can improve so quickly. But, yeah, even the behavior stuff about – they just don't know any better, right? So do you guys have a story you could share with us just about what you've learned from coaching 13Us, and whether it be good, bad, or different? Well, like, what were some some experiences you guys have taken from that team? Go ahead, Jamie. I'm trying to think. I've learned a lot about how, how to interact with parents, a lot, a lot about that. Um, and the club's been hugely supportive with that, so that's been good. Because, like, parents coming into a 13U program, too, they've never had their kids in clubs, so they don't know you don't really, you know, the, the parents don't know how to act. They don't know if they're allowed to complain to the coaches about playing time or if they're allowed to, all of these things that I'm not used to dealing with because when you play at a high level, you know that you just don't do that, you know? But with the girls, I would say it's incredible how much they can improve just from the smallest little things. Like, I think there was one practice where we pretty much, did, we didn't need a net. Like, we did ball control the entire time. And didn't do any gameplay, nothing like that. And the next week they came back and they're fully doing like three contacts, pass set hit. They just understand the game so well. And they, it's incredible how fast the learning curve is at this age. So I love that. Yeah. And I mean, coming in and out of the season kind of inconsistently um, for me, it's amazing to see from the tryouts and from like the first two practices, just how much ball control they've gained and just how much knowledge they have for the game now. I think at this age, you're really trying to teach them how to be athletes more than how to be volleyball players. And uh, it's just, it really is unbelievable to see how much they've improved. So Jamie's done a really good job when I've been gone. And it's just been really rewarding for me to kind of come there and be a calming presence and fun presence around the girls. And yeah, they've, they've been great. Awesome. It's great to hear you guys giving back already while you're still enjoying your own playing careers where I think those kids are lucky to have you. And even though they might not know what you've accomplished because maybe you're just their coaches and you guys are siblings. Maybe it'll be cool for them to kind of look back and see what you guys have done, whether it's bragging about uh, your post-secondary stuff or when you get to go to Spain this summer, Marcus, it'll be kind of cool for the kids to have an aha moment and maybe be starstruck a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So one tradition we have is we just like to end with a funny story that volleyball's provided. So with you guys being, you know, champions playing at a high level, is there anything you can kind of leave us and, and the listeners off with a laugh that, uh, Volleyball's put you in a unique experience. Jamie started off. Go for it. Okay, well, this is our story. I think it's PG-13. I think it's fine. Um, 
So let's set the scene. So I had actually just been playing in one of those uh, Kids Women's Volleyball Association tournaments. It was a super hot day. Um, it was my first tournament. I was playing with Denise Wooding, and we won. And obviously, that's really exciting. It was the first tournament I had ever won. And we all decided afterwards. We stayed hung around watching men's finals or whatever. And then we all decided to go out. And um, I had sort of had a little bit of a rough week. I think the day before, my, my ex-boyfriend and I had broken up. And it just didn't, it was maybe not the best idea in hindsight to go out to a club after that. But I did. And then Marcus got a call around so 3 a.m. Just before, like before we say that, Jamie and I were supposed to play a co-ed tournament the next day. Um, <clears throat> there, there's these things called Ezons, and they're pretty much just like a, a co-ed tournament that consists of probably 10, maybe 11 games throughout the entire day. And uh, it was it was a big deal for me. I think this was our first time playing a co-ed tournament together, Jamie. So I was really excited. I had gotten to bed early. I was, was ready for the day. I didn't even <laughs> know you were going out. And then probably around 3 a.m., I, I got a phone call. And it was one of those, like, I was probably two hours into my REM phase. I was having a great sleep. And I got a phone call, looked over, and it was Jamie. And it was one of those phone calls where I knew that it was bad before I even answered. So I picked up the phone, and she didn't even say anything. All I could hear was her sniffling. She was she was crying, and I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> so I, I just said, you know what? Where are you? Whatever. And she was like... Oh, where were you, Jamie? I can't remember. Oh, I was downtown somewhere. Yeah, so she's like, I'm downtown. And I was just like, are you okay? And she was like, no, you need to come get me. So I hopped out of bed. Here's me going to pick her up at 3 a.m. You know, four hours, we have to be down at Spanish Banks to play a co-ed tournament all day. And I'm driving downtown, finally pick her up. And needless to say, she had had a very rough night. Um, she was very, very... She had, she had consumed a lot of beverages. <laughs> I was distressed. Um, and so I took her home. She marched upstairs, went to bed. And I was I was saying to her the whole time, I was like, Do you, do you even want to do this co ed tournament tomorrow? Like you're gonna be you're gonna be unconscious. And she was like, Yep, yeah, yeah, we'll be good, don't worry. And soon enough she came out of bed, seven AM, marching downstairs, ate some breakfast, didn't say a single word all the way there. Um and we got to the tournament and she was just focused on not throwing up for probably the first three games. Um, I was so pissed off, like being a brother, being excited to play our first co-ed tournament together. It was like 30 degrees at Spanish banks. I couldn't even imagine what she was going through, but I was more focused on being mad at her at the time. Um, and our parents, who are just the most supportive people ever, parents, grandparents, they had come out to watch. They turned it into a little family event. And they didn't. I don't even think they knew that Jamie was hung to the wall. But uh, they were kind of cheering us on. And then I think after the first game, we had done so much yelling at each other that our parents were just like, you know what, screw it. And then they left. And uh, that was that, that hit deep. That was that <laughs> We finished it off, though. We, we ended up, so as the, the day, it got better as the day went on. And we actually ended up winning the tournament. And we ended up winning our favorite pair of sweatpants. So Yeah. <laughs> and, it, uh, ended, it ended on a good note. Yeah, it did end on a good note. Uh, we were both just fully heat-stroked by the end of it. Um, 
parents weren't there to watch. They got mad. They left. Grandparents stuck around. They they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a horror story to begin with, but then the day kind of went on, and it turned into a really fun experience. So I would say that that was probably the highlight of our summer last year. Awesome. Yeah, we, we get a lot of good stories. This is definitely one of my favorites. Thank you for sharing this <laughs> and keeping it PG. I'm sure we left out details, but that that's great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we're keeping yeah, that PG for sure. Awesome. So hopefully the season gets back underway and you guys can finish with your U13 team. But uh, it was great kind of catching up with you guys and hearing what you've already accomplished. And, and Marcus, good luck this summer. Hopefully the, the Spain event goes on as planned because I think it's a big deal to represent Canada. And you guys definitely earned it by winning FISU trials. So best of luck with your training and everything you got going on. And, and Jamie, I understand you coach some beach in the summer. So even if indoor doesn't get going, you'll be you'll busy with uh, some volleyball stuff this summer as well. Yeah, for sure. I'll be um, I'll be coaching BCO Beach and maybe for some other clubs. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time, guys, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on. We got to do a special on the the Vancouver scene because it seems like there's a lot of good stuff happening there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having it. us.